This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com. This show is brought to you by IndieWrestling.us. Check out IWC, RWA, and more. And listeners like you, support this show at Patreon.com slash Wrestling Mayhem Show. It's fine. I got to take a nap. I got to take a nap before I came in to do shows, so... We're good. good. You. You're in your Very prime. me of you. You're, yeah, you're in your prime time. This is the show. It's the Indie Mayhem Show. This is how we're starting it. Uh, our post-nap podcast about professional wrestling, talking with people in and around independent professional wrestling, and these days, just how they're dealing with not wrestling or being around wrestling. Uh, so please go check out everything at WrestlingMayhemShow.com, IndieWrestling.us. We have a lot of uh, COVID-19 help uh, links over there, uh, of course, so go over to that page, and we have a lot of Patreons and and uh, pro wrestling tees and, and whatever uh, there is to help out. A lot of the people that we follow through IndieWrestling.us and this show uh friends of the network friends of the friends of the show uh, all the likes and one of those friends of the show usually i've been i've been booking groups of people just to kind of um touch base hang out see how everybody's hanging out but i know we can fill a half hour very easily because just when i i drop something off at his house i feel like we're standing outside on the sidewalk for six feet apart because we had because we are conscious uh <laughs> joe Nabrowski, and now sir extraordinaire with us on the line just with my multiple personalities i'm a chat group uh, I, I also want to point out that was probably the most rapid introduction you've ever done you must be wired on some kind of caffeine right now. <laughs> am i yeah I'm, I'm all set right now like i, I joe i'm drink, i'm like making and drinking half a pot a day at least so on the tough days is a full pot so you know this is how we get by this is how we get by these days i'll be up until four in the morning i'm on your schedule now Congratulations, but I do that naturally. You got to just let yourself wean out of this whole daylight stuff and just hit your stride at one in the morning. Well, the problem is, the problem is, Joe. I this is this should be my travel season. I know you travel all around multiple Mm -hmm. countries all year long, but I got like this like three to four month period I prepare for every year, and it just went away, and and now I'm just I'm just coping. With caffeinated well, coping this whole time. I mean, I can relate to that because, you know, things shut down right around the start of the busiest time of my year yeah. because we're talking WrestleMania season. That's right. And, you know, from, from late March up through the beginning of May, I had trips scheduled for, you know, Portland, Oregon, and of course, Tampa and my regular stops in, in Meadville and Marietta. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had just come back from the Middle East. I just come back from a week in Knoxville. Um, I think March, I was supposed to be on the road for like 16 days out of the month. And then that got cut in half. And, you know, WrestleMania uh, a season being lost and, and some of those other independent events where, where the merch take is huge. I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars in lost income. Oh yeah. So, you know, uh, in in some respects, there there are certain things I don't miss at all, but certain things I miss a lot. Um, 
I, I don't miss the workload. I'm not one of those guys that's, you know, bored out of his mind and mm-hmm. desperate for something to do. Thankfully, I have enough projects going on, as of course you all know, that I still have a way of kind of being productive. I miss the road a little bit. I miss, you know, certain people, certain friends I run into. But my whole philosophy was always, I'm going to go with this wrestling stuff uh, 100% full bore and just run myself ragged because tomorrow it could all stop, you know, and, and, then, it, any, and then it did. Yeah, yeah. Any unforeseen circumstance, any act of God, any type of uh, business uh, crumbling scandal, anything out of left field, you name it, it could happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I got, I, I got every single second and every single mile out of it that I could mm-hmm. um, just with that mentality. Um, so then when, when things stopped, I was going so hard. It was like, God, there's so much opportunity I missed, but there was also the other side of the coin where it's like, I can breathe a little bit now, you know? Yeah. That, and I, I think, and it, you know, we, we've been working together for, for, you know, 10 years plus maybe at this point. And, and I, I think that's why we work so well together. We both kind of have that mentality. You around wrestling, me around wrestling and a bunch of other things for the business. Um, there is, and, and now, you know, I got, you know, you know, the biggest thing I worry about is momentum. You know, I, I feel like you, you're, you're one of the people that, you know, you're not an in-ring performer that's trying to build, 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 build on that aspect of things. You know, you have a lot of irons in the fire, it, 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 you know, so you are able to just pick up the other irons, right? To an extent. Yeah. I, I mean, now my philosophy is, you know, get everything I can out of all the projects I'm doing at home, all my straight to DVDs, my straight to digital. We just released uh, wrestling from the heartland. We've got uh, Roddy Piper's legacy coming out. We've got the Brian Pillman Memorial shows coming out. And um, if this continues far beyond what we expect right now, you know, I've got a half dozen more ideas in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there's always something to do. And when I'm able to go back on the road, I can try to find that balance again. But at the same time, I still worry about the fact that, you know, I, I was hitting a good stride uh, career wise where in the past few years, I didn't have to go out and look for the work anymore. It was coming to me more yeah. and more, whether yeah. it be on recommendations or, Hey, I heard you on this or, Hey, this guy speaks well of you or, Hey, I heard you do stuff from home, whatever the case is. And, you know, that helped from a money standpoint, it helped from a scheduling standpoint, it helped from uh, just being on bigger platforms and, and doing, you know, live stuff on fight and IWTV and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I do worry about, what the nature of the business is going to be when it does come back is independent wrestling going to have that same um, momentum that it Mm -hmm. did is the landscape going to change as far as uh, amount of promotions and uh, you know, if the promotions do stay around, what's their budget look like and what workers and, and, and talents and staff members are going to, say, um, you know, lower their asking price versus uh, continuing with the status quo because they just want to work. And, you know, is the whole market value of the industry going to drop? And, you know, 
you got to look at it from a dollars and cents perspective because we have all built our brand to, you know, X amount of worth. And I don't know that any of us are going to have that same worth when this comes back because the economic impact may make it so where there's, you know, not as much income coming in, or even if there is, it could take months, if not years to recoup whatever these promotions are losing in these dark months. You know, it, it, even just a, a few months before this happened, you know, I, I have, you know, we're in a very creative business, right? We're not in, we're not making widgets. We're not, you know, doing something like that. You know, even, you know, even what I, I do outside of wrestling and, and, and I, I, I've been doing a lot of history kind of stuff on the side. And uh, I, I started thinking about like what happens when like a war happens, right? Like, and all the fun stuff, all the creative stuff is is seems feels like like devalued, right? And that's kind of the effect of what's happening now, right? You know, that's not the important thing right now, you know, or it's hard to do, or the the fit in this kind of new world and, and landscape, and and you have to be kind of ready to adapt to that. Um, and and also, nobody guarantees that you're successful. You 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 have to be successful. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the interesting thing too that that kind of uh, differentiates this situation from a war is that a lot of times your, your entertainment, um, that, that's, that's one of your last things to go because people always need an escape, you know, whether there's war or there's famine or there's whatever the issue is that's plaguing the world. Everybody wants an escape once in a while, but we're in a unique situation where, um, Live entertainment is no longer an escape. Live entertainment is part of the problem because now yeah. you're in a large group of people. Um, so this is really, again, it's one of those unprecedented things where um, the business has to adapt and has to change. And the ones that are able to will survive. And, and unfortunately, there's going to be some that that will either choose to or won't be able to to make that transition. But um yeah, they, I think, you know, things like Netflix and, you know, movies to, to some degree, movies and, you know, television and, and stuff like that. There's always going to be a place at the table for them because everybody's going to want to have a place to, to release those endorphins. But as far as attending a live event, um, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that mm-hmm. timetable is. And I don't know. The other thing I'm worried about is if things open up uh, uh, uh too quickly and you've got some of these large gatherings and something breaks out and then we're right back at square one again in two or three months from now there's there's so much indifferent not indifference but there's so much uncertainty um as far as just what's the right answer what's the wrong answer what who, who wants to believe what and i think it goes to a larger problem of just um our media and our uh leaders being more concerned about the dollar and more concerned about uh, profit and living more in an oligarchy than a democracy because nobody trusts anybody. Everybody thinks that somebody has an agenda, whether it's a politician or a, a news media outlet or whatever the case is, which is why you have so many conspiracy theories and so many people debunking real stories and, 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 you know, what's right, what's wrong, how long should we stay quarantined, should we stay quarantined, should we wear masks? Nobody knows who to trust anymore. I think it's very, very scary. And I think we're seeing our society as a whole and large running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off because they don't know who to turn to. And Mm -hmm. this virus magnifies that and it makes everything so much more chaotic, which is going to in turn make it tougher to come back from. 
Exactly. Exactly. How do you see, because, you know, the biggest thing, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm seeing the same thing, you know, several articles I've been reading this week over on LinkedIn about the uh, live event industry, uh, the arts, museums, things like that, and how they're going to adapt. And, and, you know, unfortunately, we, we worked on a project about, you know, museums in Pittsburgh that just got off the ground uh, uh, several months ago, basically. And, uh, you know, and now it's like, okay, what do we do with this now? Um, you know, th- th- there's a lot of, I- I'm starting to look at, you know, AEW obviously went back to live shows, not with crowds, but at least for the production side. You know, are, are you kind of looking at what they're doing as kind of examples? I know some indies have said that they're like Indiana. I heard about shows happening in June. Uh, 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 you know, other groups are trying streaming options with no no crowds in, in states that don't have as tight of lockdowns. You know, are, are you looking at those for kind of samples? You, of course, a booker uh, in, up and around Cleveland with a premier premier uh, championship wrestling. From a booking standpoint, it's honestly not something that I'm rushing into. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ohio State Athletic Commission has, um, you know, made the decree that that um, they're not going to issue any permits up through May 31st, I believe it is, and they're going to have uh, a meeting in, in, I think, early June to kind of figure out where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm hearing, I, and I'm hearing similar in the in the Pittsburgh Commission as well. Yeah, I, I think I think I think Pennsylvania is kind of a similar timetable. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're we're not WWE and we're not AEW in the sense that WWE has you know a television deal worth um, you know combined in excess of a billion dollars. AEW has a TV deal worth thirty five million dollars right now. So they are motivated from a business standpoint to produce content every week, mm-hmm. whether or not they should, or whether or not they're obligated to, I think is a matter of, of, of discussion and, and probably debate. But if, if they feel a need to do that, then from a business and a dollars and cents standpoint, you can understand and justify that. Um, some of the larger independents, I know um, one of the final, final independent events in recent memory was um when Game Changer Wrestling did some empty arena events in mm-hmm. the month of March. And um, from what I recall, I could be getting the figures wrong, but I think they raised in excess of $15,000 just in fan donations that went to pay the talent. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. logical. I know some other companies, AAW, that I've had some experience with, uh, tried to replicate that. And unfortunately, that was when states were getting shut down entirely. But I, I see a logical reason to do that as well, because you're paying your guys, you're paying your talent. As long as you can keep everybody as reasonably safe as possible, you know, medically and, 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 and you know, as far as just uh, comfortability as well, then if, if the talent are comfortable taking that risk, then... Um, more power to them. Um, I don't think it should in any way be mandatory. It should be based on the individual, which thankfully it is. But mm-hmm. for a company like Premier or any of the the, the, the uh, more locally based outfits that don't have a huge online presence, um, I don't see a need or a, 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 you know any type of desire to do that without your live ticketed audience. Um, you know, if you look at the business model of a company like a premier and a lot of other organizations, if you take out the the live attendance and you try to function strictly on online sales and online revenue and online maybe isn't your number one source of revenue, unlike a GCW, um, the odds of, of, of breaking even become 
a lot more insurmountable. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've done this a time or two. It ain't my first rodeo. I'm not somebody that feels the need to go out and produce wrestling to justify or validate themselves or just do it because booking wrestling is so much fun because it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I know. I've seen you on when, show day. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So when when we get the safe and clear to start, you know, assembling with, you know, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, whatever it is, I think that's the time you ease back into it. But to do it now, to do a show just to do a show when I can't look at the numbers and say, yeah, I see a way to make money or at least I see a way to break even. I don't see a reason to do it. And you've you've seen my stuff. I've I've been pretty radio silent unless it's been um posting retro content or plugging mm-hmm. my sites. And that's the focus right now. That's where I'm going to make the money right now. And when the live events are ready to get here, they'll get here. There's no sense in doing something now, blowing money and risking putting somebody in a dangerous situation just to do the mental masturbation and say, I ran a show. Don't I don't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so of course, kind of talking about that throwback, it, 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 I feel like I feel like you know so, some people kind of lucked. In. I feel like some things that we've done uh, here as a company with Sorgatron Media Sidekick, you know, we were kind of setting up some things that were perfectly timed. You know, uh, you were working on the Heartland, and disclaimer, I had a hand helping with some of the editing on Heartland as well. Uh, uh, you know, this is a good time to look back. <laughs> As you have on your YouTube, uh, I, I know it's probably a symptom of of you going through all the kind of uh, content that you are for projects right now, like like Heartland, mm-hmm. uh, re- wrestling from the Heartland. It, it, you know, it, it, so it, it feels like you you stumbled in that at the right time where people are. You know, it seems like everybody's kind of looking back right now and remembering the good times of wrestling to kind of get them through the maybe not great stuff on TV or weird because they don't feel good about how you know wrestlers. Uh, uh, on television in this condition and, and, and things like that. Yeah, I was really um, apprehensive about releasing a wrestling from the heartland right as this stuff was, was amping up. But um, the fans have come out and supported it in droves. It's been as far as the first, uh, you know, I guess almost two months at this point, probably the highest sales I've done since Virgil. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that would be the and- legend of Virgil and his traveling merchandise table yeah i don't mean actually virgil who's just still on like a flea market corner somewhere just uh collecting cobwebs i hear you offered Um, to buy wwe recently or something i don't know uh probably just his agents doing a publicity stunt but um unfortunately i have to deal with the real virgil and all of the tall tales that come with that but hey hey people one of the good things about being on lockdown and socially distanced is your chances of running into virgil are a lot lighter right that is true yeah Unless he finds some way around that and starts doing home service. Uh, if he finds out I have money, he will. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Heartland stuff, I, I was thinking about it, and, and I can't even remember the conversation with, with Les Thatcher and I that kind of spawned this. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going to his house. I remember I, I, I was working in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I made it a point to take a detour to Cincinnati on the way home. And if anybody knows geography, that's kind of about a three hour detour. So obviously I, I, my interest was, was piqued by something, but I just remember going through his garage and just this huge box of whatever, 75 tapes of so many old heartland shows and Pillman shows and 
stuff that hadn't been touched in years and years to, mm-hmm. to the point where when, when, you know, when, when Les was moving out a couple of years uh, uh, later, he found even more stuff. I had to go back and make a second trip. I mean, Jeez. there was so much there to dig through. And, you know, I, I think that um, if you like your HD and 4K quality, Heartland's not the set <laughs> for you because it's, you know, 2001, 2002 independent wrestling, although it is a WWE developmental territory. You don't get the WWE production trucks or the cameras by by any stretch. Yeah, it's kind of if, if you have a promotion now that you you wince at because they're using maybe iPhones or, or something and you're just like, oh, why is that look so weird? You know, just think of what it was the. I, I I don't want to say like what was the 2002 version of of running a promotion and shooting the show on an iPhone, but it, it it's probably the comparative, right? I mean, to some extent, I I would say that if you were a fan back in the day and you enjoyed tape trading, yeah, or yeah, maybe trying to watch some of the scrambled pay per views. Not that our content scrambled, but if you like kind of the primitive nature of content production. Um, and kind of its simplicity. I think you really appreciate this because these were pulled directly from from VHS tapes, whether it be the masters or just Les's personal copies. Yeah, and yeah. you know, all the television is owned by WWE. They bought the rights to that a few months back. But I have all the house show stuff where you know Big Show and Eddie Guerrero and John Cena and you know Rikishi uh, would show up and help school the young boys the, like Jamie Noble and Shannon Moore and Umaga and Charlie Haas and Jimmy Yang and all these guys that were just coming up. Um, and it was, it's, it was this weird hybrid at a weird time in the business. WCW had just died. ECW had just died. There's only one promotion now. And all these guys are jockeying for spots and you've got like this weird subworld where Steve Blackman and Val Venus and BJ Whitmer and Nigel McGuinness are all in the same place at the wow. same time. And it feels like that shouldn't exist, but yeah. it does. And, you know, you see FCW footage, OVW footage, and you hear the stories, but nobody talks about Heartland because they only spent about a year in developmental until they cut costs on developmental and just switched everything to Louisville and got out of Cincy, got out of Memphis and everything. But that's still an incredible story to be told from, you know, the, 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 the rise of, of all those names I just mentioned to some of the, some of the tragedies like the death of Russ Haas to when Les was profiled on MTV a few years prior, uh, which we'll talk about in volume two and uh, just so much experience uh, training, you know, the Nigels and the BJs and the shark boys and guys like that. Um, it really was um, captivating to me. And when we laid down the audio track to do the, the commentary on top of this, me and Les, um, you know, I, I, I had a few questions written down for notes, but it, it flowed so well. And he had s- such a vivid, sharp memory. Les, I think he turns 80 years old this year. Jeez. But he has such a, a vivid, sharp memory of anything. And he just went. And through all six and a half hours on that, that Heartland set, I don't think there's a dull moment because, you know, some matches are better than others production wise. And some matches are better than others, you know, match quality wise. we got to give you a little bit of everything, but uh, the story behind the stories are always so compelling because you're dealing with so many personalities and you're dealing with, you know, theoretically the next generation superstars as molded by WWE. 
That's I, I, I saw. I have to make mention because I saw her in the chat room. Uh, but our friend that's that's uh, usually contributing to the Mayhem show, uh, Tina. Uh, she she spent some 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 time in the, in that area and 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 she's uh, reminiscing about the Pillman shows, the Pillman Memorial shows. And and I think I think if I remember from our conversation last week, I think she had a hand helping with some of the uh, audio production or something at the live shows too, if I recall. So a, a small world, you know, around around these Heartland shows. Yeah, that's wild. And 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 really just digging through these Heartland shows is what got me so motivated to track down all this Pillman footage. And um, I'm still working to get the best possible quality on a couple of those uh, events, mm. but I'm, I'm working hard at it. Those things were never released nationally. They yeah. were never uh, presented outside of the Cincinnati market. Um, I think there's a bootleg version of the first one for sale, but that's about it. So yeah. um, pre- I'm working on preserving those, doing the first ever official release with permission of the family with Brian Jr. involved, doing uh, I'm doing a brand new documentary um, as part of that set uh, involving people that were there. I've already spoken to Al Snow and Shane Douglas, Dr. Tom Pritchard, uh, Nick Eugene Dinsmore, and Bill DeMott, and I've got a few others coming down the pike as far as just sharing their thoughts and memories on what was truly just a special, unique set of shows that hopefully we'll have out on the market by by later this year. But you wouldn't get those shows if those promotions and those talents didn't trust Les Thatcher to run a tight ship and a class operation. And you can really see in, you know, how the shows are presented back then and how we present them now in the Heartland set, just the, 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 the class and the detail that went into everything as far as taking a guy like a Shannon Moore, who, was doing car crashes and, and, you know, diving off of ladders in WCW. But then Les gets him and says, you're going to be my next Ricky Morton and teaches Shannon Moore how to actually work and why and what and when. And Shannon comes out such a better performer, has a great run in every company he's been in. Or, you know, Jamie Noble, who's teaching guys now in WWE. BJ Whitmer, who's teaching guys now in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um that lesson started from less, you know, and, and it carries on to the next generation, even to this day. Some good stuff. I'm glad you're digging that up. And you've, you've gone on from the conspiracies to, <laughs> to just digging up history now. You know what, man? I mean, there, there's so many conspiracies in the world today mm-hmm. that people have that actually have a direct effect on our, our health and well-being <laughs> that at this point in time, conspiracy theories aren't really fun. You know, yeah. there's a difference between, um, you know, debating if, uh, you know, um, Norm Connors is secretly a lizard person or, you know, still, still uh, who shot still JFK up for yep. or, or if we saw the UFO, you know, releases the other week. There's yeah. a difference between debating that and debating, you know, uh, if 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 uh, the next vaccine has some magical tracking uh, advanced chip that doesn't exist, oh, you know, there, there, there's a big difference between that. And yeah, yeah. I, I think conspiracy theories exist because people are naturally skeptical and people um, I think it's good to ask questions, but it's good to ask logical questions and it's good to take logical answers for that. Um, you can't just say. Well, you're lying to me because I'm uncomfortable or you're lying to me because 
You know, there's as Governor Ventura would say, follow the money. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's um, I don't think there's 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 money in, you know, using trillions of dollars to bail out our economy at this point. I think that no. seems like a pretty, pretty far reach to, to get there. So, hey, I'll, I'll still debate uh, JFK and Montreal with anybody. But some of the more modern conspiracies, I'm going to tag out on that one and just <laughs> preserve history. And because, and, I, you know, I love pushing that nostalgia button. I love finding things that I've never seen before. And um, Heartland's an important part of our business's history that's never had a chance to be seen until now. And I'm, I'm happy that, that we're bringing it out there. And I want to say this, too. Um, Les Thatcher is a, a credit to our business. There's no job in wrestling i don't think he's he's held i think he's done everything and if i have any influence i don't i don't obviously i'm speaking hypothetically but if i'm someone that has any influence in any of the wrestling's hall of fames um i'm asking myself why less isn't in yet because less deserves to be included in every hall of fame i can think of for his contributions who he's trained who he's molded and the innovations he is uh he's been a part of that's right. There's a lot of people claiming to uh, to be a, a giant contribution to the business, but I mean, I think you just look at the fruits of the labor there with that just that well, track list. Well, Les was a part of putting together the first ever WWF magazine back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was a part of the very first ever wrestling T-shirt for Jack and Jerry Briscoe back in the early seventies. He was a trendsetter in production as far as TV producing, uh, an announcer, a wrestler, a trainer, a mentor. Uh, again, he's done it all. So um, to be able to sit with him and just peel back a layer or two of that brain and just listen to him talk, and he's still very passionate. There are certain people and things in wrestling today that he's definitely not a fan of, and I definitely hear about that. And that's okay because I, I love the energy and the passion, and we really – bring that out in the best possible way by showing him, uh, you know, his kids basically just having these, you know, hell of classic matches. And, and other than a couple of the individuals who are spotlighted because they maybe didn't do so well and kind of got their just desserts. Well, when, when you've got like Shannon Moore and Jamie Noble, you've got, you know, Pepper Parks and Shark Boy and all these guys and the Haas brothers and Victoria and Molly Holly and the, Raven and Dreamer and Bobby Roode and I mean you look at the heavy hitters. There's not a bad match on the set, and um, it's guys in their prime that would that had never seen the D'Lo Brown. How have I gone this long not mentioning D'Lo? I mean guys like that who um, were still in their prime. They were maybe in between TV spots. There was so much going on on TV. There was three rosters on one show. Um, but they had something to offer, and they mm-hmm. offered it in Cincinnati and Heartland. We're just fortunate enough to be able to have really the last surviving footage. It's great stuff, Joe. It's always great to catch up with you. I know, I know, you've been busy with some stuff and getting everything in order yourself uh, in this time. Uh, good to see that you're keeping busy and, and, and still, still making some cool shit out there. Doing the best I can, man. As always, um, ProWrestlingLibrary.com. We have over 325 hours of content now. Damn it. Um, Wait, I'm always neck I and am. neck with you now. Like you, you caught up quick. And I'm just like, I got to get I gotta get another 50 hours on because Joe's catching up to me over at the network. 
We just <laughs> we just passed episode 101 of PWO and Prime TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get that whole set up uh, uh, sooner than later with the way we're going right now. Nice. nice. Um, Good stuff. Heartland's, Heartland's up there for rent or for purchase. Of course, joe-dombrowski.com for the DVD. A lot of DVD sales coming in for this one, so I think we're hitting a lot of old school fans. But anybody that's new to the business, uh, if you're a fan or a wrestler, I'd recommend checking this out because um, there's a lot of, um, let's say, bad habits today that Les wouldn't let fly, and you could see um, you could see the best of the best shine in that set. So if anybody wants to support, by all means, if you're able to, uh, please do, and if not. Head to my YouTube account, uh, binge some classic footage, and maybe if your mouse accidentally clicks an ad or two, you won't tell anybody. Hey, eh? <laughs> um, I, I, I kick myself if I forgot to mention this because I, I haven't watched this yet. I haven't caught, had a chance to, to sit down with it, but I caught wind. I, I, am I wrong? Somebody told me that you announced a tag team match against, was it a broom and a mop? That is an accurate statement because. Um, as Les Thatcher would say, coincidentally, uh, we're all whores. It just comes down to establishing price. <laughs> so, hey, times are, I, tough. times are tough, you know. Listen, listen. I told myself I was not going to sell out my dignity and take any gig. Mm-hmm. And then I got a message from my old pal Sammy Guevara, mm-hmm. who uh, had a pitch for me. And I guess he caught me in a moment of weakness. Uh, so there is, if you go to Sammy Guevara's blog, there is a match with Sammy Guevara and, uh, of course, Sammy of AEW fame, teaming with Ricky Starks of NWA fame. And they're in a tag team match against a mop and a broom. Mm-hmm. And I was given the assignment to call that. And you know what? You could say what you want about Sammy. You can love him. You can hate him. I've done both in my life. Um, but he gets attention and he gets, he gets views, he gets traffic. So, um, and I, and, and to be honest, I did that because it it was obviously in the context of an entertainment parody. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, to me, it's a little different than if you go to a live event and you see somebody wrestling the invisible man or somebody wrestling, you know, blow up dolls or anything like that. And maybe it's splitting hairs and nitpicking, but, um, I thought the Sammy and the Ricky match was kind of a just a fun uh, sketch of a parody that I could do some comedy with because I don't have a lot of chances to do straight comedy. Yeah. Um, as opposed to 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 you know some of the context of, of, of some of the other things in independent events. So yeah, Sammy Guevara's YouTube. Um, I won't plug it too hard because he ain't giving me a cut of anything, cheap bastard. <laughs> but if you want to go out of your way to find it, I you will see me doing some very dramatic commentary um, with a mop and a broom and maybe throwing a few jabs at the owner of the vlog as well. If you have a keen ear, mm. um, I will mention I, I did my research for the match. I pointed out a lot of very important historical facts about the mop and the broom, such as the mop is uh, second generation and is related to a former tag team partner, Perry Saturn. And uh, not to mention the fact the broom is a tag team specialist former tag team partner of the natural dustpan roads. 
And we'll leave you with that. Thank you so much. Go check out everything. And of course, uh, a lot of, lot of great content from, uh, Joe over on IndieWrestling.us as well. And, and, and follow his YouTube, follow his Facebook. A lot of great stuff he's digging up, uh, to help entertain you in this, uh, in these, uh, very interesting times. Uh, of course, please check out everything. Please again, support, uh, everybody that, you know, everybody in wrestling, they're trying to figure things out and trying to, you know, supplement what, they hopefully they had big plans uh, that uh, that that are not uh, happening right now. So again, we have that link, the COVID support page over at IndiaWrestling.us. Go check out ProWrestlingLibrary.com, Joe-Dombrowski.com. And until next time, please support independent wrestling and independent uh, room and wrestling. I guess. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.